Well, hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to part four of our series Psalms here on the College Age Movement Podcast. Hope you're having a fantastic week. Um, we are wrapping up the series this week as we look at Psalm chapter 119. But before we jump into that, I want to talk a little bit about what we talked about last week. If you missed or if you listened but need a little refresher, one of the one of the things that we talked about was this, is that we need to be people who are willing to make an appeal before the Lord, that we would have the confidence to ask things of God. Too often we find ourselves stuck in this perpetual relationship where we are afraid to ask for what we want, to ask for what other people need. We, we need to be people who have the confidence to understand that God cares so much about us, that he wants to to hear what we have to say, what we want to ask for. And that's big things, little things, and everything in between that we serve a God who wants us to come before him and have a conversation. And the second thing that we talked about was a simple idea that the words of the Lord are trustworthy. The words of the Lord are trustworthy. We need to be people who understand that the God who created us is the same God who's going to keep his promises to us. And we, if we read scripture, if we look through everything uh, that God has has left for us to, to study and, and have conversations about all those things, we know that this is that God has promised to have grace and love and forgiveness for us. And he also has a great, big, grand idea for each one of our lives. And so we need to be people who understand that the words of the Lord are trustworthy. So... Those are two things that we talked about last week. This week, we're going to be in Psalm chapter 119. There's 176 verses in uh, the the chapter 119 of Psalms. And so we're just going to walk through every verse little by little. Just kidding. We're not, we're not going to do that. We're going to look at a couple different passages throughout this chapter of the book of Psalms. And, and what I want to do is this isn't going to have a ton of continuity to it. This isn't going to be a, a front to back one topic sermon. This is going to be kind of three separate ideas, three separate sermonettes, if you will. And uh, we're just going to walk through three things that I feel like God uh, put placed on my heart and uh, that are still definitely applicable today. So the first uh, passage that we're going to look at is uh, verses four through eight. We're going to look at verse four first. It just simply says this. It says, you have laid down precepts that are fully obeyed, that are to be fully obeyed. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. So the first point this week is this, is uh, obey fully, obey fully. This might be one of the hardest things when it comes to following Jesus, being people who obey with every part of our lives, not just some parts. This idea of following Jesus is this this concept of surrender, that we would give every part of our lives to the Lord and we would say, hey, not my will be done, but your will be done in my life. And I know that for me personally, there are areas of my life that I stand in confidence in when it comes to who Jesus has asked me to be. And there are other parts where um, that's not so much the case that there are parts that I have fully surrendered and parts that um, I've I've given a little bit of or or a lot of, but not quite all of it. So we need to be people who, who are willing to fully obey. It's important that we understand that this concept is key at a foundational level. The goal is to always follow Jesus and his commandments 100%. We have to be committed to striving for that goal. You see, what, what happens too often, and I'm super guilty of this too, is is thinking of, of the idea of like, well, I'm never going to be Jesus. And that's that, that, that idea that has been instilled in many of us, uh, if, you've, if you've grown up in the church and if you've been a part of a group of people that are so full of grace, it, it's, it's an amazing thing. And I say it to people all the time, like, hey, you're never going to be Jesus. Don't be, beat yourself up. But I think that we have to be really careful to start to not use that as an excuse. Like, oh, well, I'm never going to be Jesus, so I don't really have to worry 
about trying to even be like Jesus. We have to be really careful not to confuse God's grace with our excuses because excuses are, they're, they're man-made. They're, they're made to help us feel better about ourselves. But grace is its unearned favor that covers our mistakes and brings actual healing. And if we can operate under the idea that, hey, like I'm not perfect, I'm, I'm human, I'm broken, I'm messy, I'm fallible, whatever, but God's grace is sufficient for me and he forgives me, that's a completely different or a completely different concept than having the excuse of, well, you know, I'm broken and I'm messy and so I'm just kind of a screw up and I'm not even going to try to be better. So we have to be willing to pursue Jesus 100% and obey all of his precepts. Let's not be people who make excuses to only be partially committed, but be people who are all in with complete understanding that we are broken and that we are human and that we make lots of mistakes. This passage goes on to say this in verses five through eight. It says, Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all of your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. Do not utterly forsake me. So here's the key. David recognized that he wasn't perfect and he, was, he wasn't steadfast in his pursuit of the commands of God. But what he says next is what we need to focus on. He says this, is that I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn. So the next point is this, is that we praise as we learn. We praise as we learn. David is communicating that he recognizes his brokenness, but that it is not going to prevent him from worshiping. Too often in our walks with Jesus, too often in our lives, we we see the messiness, we see the imperfection in our lives, and we let that cause us from worshiping when really our imperfections and our blemishes and the places that need the most redeeming should be the, the reason that, that drives us to the foot of the cross and say, no, Lord, I'm going to worship you because you are a good God. You're a God that died for me. You're a God who loves me still, even though I'm imperf- imperfect. That we would be people who understand like that's a driving force behind why we worship. We don't stop worshiping because we're broken. We worship because we're broken. We need to be those pe- people. We have a human habit of getting stuck in our failure instead of looking for the lesson within it. David says that he will worship with an upright heart as he is in process. He understood that that beating himself up wasn't going to get him anywhere. So whatever wherever you're at today, it's important to know that you haven't arrived. And you never will arrive. You will never completely get there on this side of heaven. We are all in process. We're all in process in so many different ways. We're in process in our relationships. We're in process in our jobs. We're in process if we're in school. We're in process with just like personal well-being and trying to figure out our own faith and the way that we want to live our lives. We are people in process, but we serve a God who appreciates the process. He wants us to be people who are in process, that we're always working on ourselves, we're always loving other people, we're always being people who are constantly seeing how we can truly be a little bit more like Jesus. You see, there's a really big difference between recognizing your brokenness and being defined by your brokenness. I want to say that again. There, there's a really big difference between recognizing your brokenness and being defined by your brokenness. We are called to work hard in the midst of our failure, in the midst of our learning as we learn we worship. As we learn, we worship not just with our brokenness, but with an upright heart, understanding that God still loves us. So let's be people who praise as we learn. The second thought 
this week is this, is found in Psalm chapter 119, verses 10 through 16. And it says this, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that came from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. So the question I want to ask is this, is how often do I seek God? How often do you seek God? How often do we seek God? See, to- I totally understand that this is kind of a generic question, but as I look at this conversation that David is having with God, I can't help but honestly ask myself how much time I intentionally spend pursuing the heart of God. I spend a lot of time trying to communicate my heart to God, but not enough seeking his heart for me. I will express day in, day out, this is how I'm feeling. This is how I I see you. This is how I see the people around me. This is how I see the situations around me. I'm communicating my heart to God, but I fail to let God communicate his heart to me. And that's what the word of the Lord is. That's what the Bible is. That's what scripture is. It's, it's him communicating his heart for his people. And while he continues to have conversations with us because he's alive and active and moving, he also left us this series of letters and, and poems and and all of these different words spoken by people who, who followed God closely, some who actually lived with Jesus and walked on earth with him for, for several years. And so we need to understand that, that the Bible is God's heart for us and that there's, there's more that Jesus will continue to speak into our lives. But we need to be people who seek out God's heart for us, not just communicate our heart to him. You see, David uses this phrase, I've hidden your word on my heart, which means that he has committed so much to God's word that he knows it at his core. And knowing something from memory, right, it communicates that you care, whether it's somebody's name, their profession, their situation. If you remember that about them, you're communicating that you cared enough to remember. You see, like, I I remember vividly being a part of one of our district conferences, and I was pretty new to ministry, and uh, my boss's boss's boss, uh, I I got the opportunity to rub shoulders with him for a short five minutes. And uh, he he remembered my name the next day. And I remember walking by and he grabbed my arm and he said, hey, Evan, uh, hope you're doing well this morning, praying for you in your college ministry. And I was just like, I felt like the biggest guy in the room because this guy who I really looked up to, this guy who, I mean, you know, it's, it's funny to me. Our, our human relationships are really interesting. Humans are humans. And whether it's, you know, LeBron James or, or Elon Musk or, you know, whoever, they're, they're just people. They're just people, but we get really nervous around some people. And he's one of those guys that I was like nervous around and I got all butterfly when I got to talk to him, but he remembered my name and he remembered my position and he remembered what God had placed as a passion on my heart. And that, that made me feel huge. And so what we communicate to God by, by memorizing his word and memorizing his heart for us is that we cared enough to remember it. And, and I think God, he doesn't need our affirmation, but I don't think there's a single part of him that would be upset with us spending time actually meditating and actually figuring out what it is that he wants for us. And I think that's a, a really cool way that we get to to worship him. And, and I'd say this, is that it's not just about memorizing the words that go in order. If you can do that, that's fantastic. If you know the actual words of the verse, but I want to memorize the message of Jesus, not just the words. 
I want to know the context. I want to know what Jesus is actually trying to say. I don't want to just know the words and don't know how to apply them. There's a guy that I work with. His name is Mark Johnson, and he's one of those guys that you just want to be like when you grow up. He's he's an absolutely phenomenal pastor, phenomenal husband, phenomenal dad, and and, uh, I hope to be like Mark someday. Um, but man, his scripture memorization is absolutely phenomenal. He has he has systems placed, uh, put in place that are, that are just amazing, and um, it's almost frustrating because he'll be like, "Hey, what does it say in First Peter chapter twelve? And then he'll rattle off like three verses, and then we'll be talking to people together, and he'll try to give you a, a softball, and he'll be like, "Hey, what does it say in this scripture reference? And it starts like this. And anytime I can't answer it, I feel like a terrible pastor, but. Uh, it's because we, we live in this Google epidemic where we feel like we can open our Bible app or we can Google words. We're like, hey, I kind of know what it says, but I'm going to Google it instead of actually putting it on my heart. So we need to be people who don't do that. We need to be people who actually put it on our heart. But this is the thing that I love about Mark. It's not just about him memorizing scripture. It's about how applicable it is in certain situations, that he's in the midst of a marriage crisis. He's in the midst of you know counseling somebody through something. And he's like, hey, it says this at this point in the Bible, and this is why it matters for you. And that's the type of Christian that I want to be. I want to have a faith so big that I, I memorize the word of the Lord and I place it on my heart and I know that it's applicable for me, but it's not just for me. It's for other people in specific situations. So we need to be people who memorize the word of God, not just for ourselves, but for other people. And then I, I kind of already alluded to this, but this is the next point is that we're encouraged to meditate. We're encouraged to meditate. And I don't know about you, but growing up, the word meditate felt almost sinful. And I don't know why. It just kind of felt like a weird weird word, this idea of meditating. I, I felt like there, like maybe it had to be like a prerequisite for chanting while you meditated. It just felt like something that you did, but it just means this. It means to think deeply and carefully about something. And how many of us can honestly say that we regularly sit down and think deeply about what the Lord is wanting us to do with our lives? That's not my first thought. My first thought is I want wisdom and I want it in a in a drive-by fashion. Like I want a, I want a singular transaction where I, I pull in, I need an answer, I, I, I give my time, I give whatever resource it is that I have at that time, and God... God just gives me that wisdom in that five minute drive through through way. And I don't I don't want something with two windows. I don't want to have to pay for it and then wait even one car length to to get that wisdom. I want it all at one window. Just pull up, give me that wisdom, and I will get out. But that's not how it works. That's not how it works. We need to be people who are willing to put in the time, who are willing to memorize, who are willing to to really meditate and think deeply and calmly and and intentionally on the word of the Lord and see how God is trying to communicate it through scripture. You see we have to be people who are intentional about our growth. And if we're not intentional about our growth, then we won't become the people that God wants us to be. And I want to throw just one more verse into this little idea. It's verse 32. It's found about 20, verse, 20 verses later uh, in, in chapter 119. It says, this is, I run in the path of your commands for you have broadened my understanding. And this might be for a very specific group of us, but forgive me if this doesn't apply, but as I walk through this chapter, this verse hit me in a very specific way. As I studied, uh, see, too often we find ourselves finding what, what we would consider answers, that, that you have been spending time trying to find the answers to a specific question that you have about your faith or about your life or whatever it may be. And then we never ask the question again. We we almost have this like checkbox that it's like, okay, I got the answer to that question. Check. I don't need to learn or know anything more about that situation. But I promise you there's not a single thing in your life where you get a singular answer and that's it that's over. No, we, we need to be people who are constantly being students of Jesus. And, and this is what I love about this. It says, um, you have broadened my understanding. You have broadened my understanding. I run in the path of your commands. I'm, I'm following you. I'm doing everything that you've asked me to do. 
And it's because you have broadened my understanding that I obeyed in this way, but I didn't fully understand. I, I was still obedient, but man, you have broadened. You have broadened my understanding of this specific area of my faith, of my life, of relationships, whatever it may be. And I'm so thankful that you have decided to broaden my understanding. You see, it's important that we don't stop asking questions. We never stop being students of God's word, of his heart, of his will for our lives. And that's why we use intentionality all the time in our relationship with Jesus. We need to get in his word frequently. We need to get in his word often. It needs to be something that's a key part of our lives and our walk with Jesus. The third thought and last thought that I want to present this week is found in in Psalm chapter 119, verses 49 through 50. It says this, remember your word to your servant, for you have given me hope. My comfort in my suffering is this, your promise preserves my life. This is a fairly radical phrase because he says this, he says, comfort in suffering. Comfort in suffering. The word in is important because it tells us that it isn't necessary for us to be on the other side of suffering to know the comfort of God. We don't have to be on the other side of suffering to, to experience and feel the comfort that God has for us. David understood that God would meet him in the middle of his turmoil. And we need to be people who understand that concept as well. I do not know where you are at this week, but so many of us are in the middle of pain. And uh, it does the pain doesn't have to stop for you to feel the comfort of God, that he will meet you in the midst of that. You see, we so often associate pain as the absence of good. And if we had it our way, life would be easy all the way through. But also, if, if life was easy all the way through, none of us would ever grow. None of us would ever grow. And I want you to hear this today, that, that God will not cause pain, but he will absolutely give purpose to your pain. He's not going to just cause pain for pain's sake, but he will take the pain that we experience in our lives because we experience pain as human beings. We cause pain as human beings. It's just this messy cyclical thing. But God will step into the midst of our pain and he will give that pain a purpose. He will give that pain a purpose. Um, a couple years ago, my son uh, was, he had just turned five or was just about to turn five and uh, we were at the park and he was on the monkey bars and he was doing great and he, he was starting to, to get him down and he was falling, but he was getting back up and he's kind of a timid kid sometimes and I was just so proud of him for getting back up and trying again um, when he could have been scared of falling. And then, uh, you know, the monkey bars are, are a, a fickle thing and a dangerous thing sometimes for kids and um, he fell and he got his hands down just a little bit before his butt hit the ground and he just snapped his snapped his arm, and uh, it was scary. It was scary. I was right there. I saw it happen. I'll never, I'll never forget it. Um, and so we we go running through the park. We get to the ER. We we do the whole thing, and, um, and we're all we're panicked. We're we're freaking out. They're asking Maddox's name. My wife is like, I don't know what his name is. I can't remember what his name is. What's his birthday? I don't know. And they're like, Did you? Did you steal this child? Like whose whose child is this? We we get everything figured out, um, and then you know Maddox is just a kid and he's freaking out and I'm trying to explain to him like, hey, uh, buddy, this is this is a real bummer and I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that you have to go through this. I wish I could take this away from you, but I hope you know this is that your arm is gonna grow back stronger. There's actually something about a bone structure that when it heals, the way that it heals, it it actually will become stronger than it was before. And uh, we learned a ton through the process. We learned uh, a lot as parents 
uh, Maddox learned a lot, uh, how to face his fears. Um, we learned a lot of spouses as we were in a stressful situation. And, uh, I just, I just remember like that, that was not something that I would ever, ever want to go through again. I'm not sitting here going like, all right, next kid, Zara, you gotta go break a bone so I can learn some stuff. Uh, but I'm thankful that, that I got to learn a lot in that situation and, and God purposed it. Like God used it. And there have been so many other instances in my life where I'm like, God, I don't want to be in this situation. I don't, I don't want to go through this. This is heartbreaking. This is, this is frustrating. This is a failure. This is not what I had in mind. But I also know that God is faithful. And like we talked about last week, that the words of the Lord are trustworthy and that he's always present. And God will purpose your pain. God has purposed my pain time and time again. And I think it breaks God's heart to see us in pain, but he won't let the pain be for nothing. And if we would step into that, if we would lean into that and understand that pain has purpose, we will become so strong so fast. And then the next time we come up against that situation, we'll be stronger than we ever thought possible. You see, none of us seek out pain. We don't go looking for ways to be hurt in any way, shape, or form, but we can be people who embrace it and people who leverage it. You see, when there's nothing that you can do to prevent pain, then simply learn from it and know that God will bring comfort to you in the middle of it. I want to take this just one small step further as we wrap up. The purpose of pain is often preparation. The purpose of pain is often preparation. When we're in the midst of pain, it's hard to rationally prepare for what is coming next. But history has shown us time and time again that painful things can be the prequel to beautiful ones. You see, we think about the story of Moses. He had to run from his affluence and he became a shepherd before God called him to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Daniel was thrown into a lion's den and had to survive that before becoming one of the most trusted advisors to the king himself. Joseph was literally sold into slavery by his own brothers, worked his way out of that to become the head of a household, the, the, the most prestigious slave, and then accused of rape and sent back to prison. He experienced success and pain and success and pain and pain and success and then became the second most powerful man in all of Egypt to eventually save the entire nation of Israel through the way that he ruled and the way that he shepherded and the way that he loved. So we have to ask ourselves a a question. Am I going to wallow in my pain or am I going to watch God work through it? Am I going to sit and feel sorry about myself or am I going to be expectant that God will do something because of my pain? And this is, this is really important as we talk about this concept of the purpose of pain often being packaged as preparation. This is really important that we understand that sometimes it's not preparing us for us to go through that situation again, but it's preparing us to help someone else go through theirs that we are a community of people who love each other the way that Jesus loved each other, the way that Jesus loved all people. And so that means that, that our pain will often have a purpose, not just for ourselves, but for the other people in our lives. You know, we're called to, to grow together, to be in community, to be around each other. And so let your pain be a lesson that someone else doesn't have to learn the hard way. Let your pain be purposed, not just for yourself, but for other people as well. Hey, 
Thank you so much for listening in to this last week of the, our series in Psalms on the College Age Movement podcast. We always want to give you a personal invite to come to College Age Movement 7 o'clock on Tuesday nights here at Faith Chapel in Billings, Montana. If you can make it, please come and make it. Nothing can replace just being in community and worshiping together and, and just loving each other and listening and learning together. So please come Tuesday night, 7 o'clock. We'd love to have you here. If you can't make it, we hope this podcast is something that continues to teach you. We will talk to you guys very, very soon.